Oh, thank you. What a privilege to be here this morning with you all. You have been very uh, faithful and supportive. You've been a, a loving and caring church. And we are very thankful for you, all of you guys. Thank you. And the, the Turner as well. Please turn with me in uh, John 5 this morning. Um, I kind of have mixed feelings here. I have so much I would like to share with you, but in a word, it, in a name, it's Jesus. Amen. Jesus, our life. Mm. You know, Jesus is, I hope Jesus is your Savior this morning. Amen. And if he's your Savior, it's because also you made him Lord of your life. Because he is Lord. It's not a pick and choose. He is the Lord Jesus. And when you have him as Savior, and one thing that sometimes we miss out on, we look at Galatians 2.20, one of the most tremendous verse in the whole Bible, is not only our Savior and our uh, Lord when we have him in our life, he is our very life. For me to live is Christ. Uh, and the, the Galatians 2.20 says, it, it's not I. It's not, it's not me who lives anymore. It's Christ who lives in me by faith. And so I want to share uh, some of that. And um, I want to pray before. And so to, to ask the Lord really to have his way with all of this. Lord, we come before you this morning. We're so thankful because you're so faithful. Lord, we, we thank you this morning that we can know you. Know you in a real, yes. personal, powerful way through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing about you. You've put a, a new song in our hearts. Oh, in our prayer this morning, if there's someone here without you, still without life, Without the Lord Jesus Christ, the wonderful and marvelous, matchless Savior Jesus Christ, I pray today you'll show yourself to that person, whether here or through the Internet. Lord, we, we call unto you to save souls. We know your word does not return void. And Lord, this morning I would just want to hide behind you and preach Christ. He's the only one worthy to be preached and sung about. And Lord, thank you that you're so wonderful. And to, to, to share, to preach, you know, I feel so inadequate. But I thank you that you use the foolish things and you use the, the weak things. And you're so strong. You're so, you're so good, Lord. We, we just thank you this morning. Do a work of grace. That only you can explain how. Lord, you, you do things that are way, way above what we can ask or think. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege of sitting together with your holy word, your living word. And may, Lord, you bring forth much fruit to your glory with this time we take together at your feet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to share... A couple of verses, you know, the Gospel of John is so powerful, so wonderful. I just want to read a couple of verses to start with. Um, verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, 
But what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the son likewise. For the father loveth the son, himself, um, uh, loveth, uh, sorry, I skipped, uh, loveth the son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and will shew him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth, quickeneth whom he will. And let's skip over because we, we're going to see that section of our, the passage and also uh, from uh, verse 39. Powerful uh, uh, declaration here of Jesus to the spiritual leadership of his day. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I want just to share a couple of thoughts with you this morning. God, our source of life. God, our source of life. I just want to, uh, right off the bat, you just, you know, I'm going to give a word of testimony tonight. And I'm got, I mean, I, I want to keep it short because there's so much uh, to share. God has been so good. Um, and the simple thought I want to start with before I, I go on with our text this morning, you know, God meets us where we're at, and sometimes it's in the midst of suffering where we see the, we always need God, but we don't realize it, and in the midst of suffering, that's where we realize it, and I mean, for, for us, 2022, I think it's something that we share or we have in common uh, from what we've, we've talked a little bit about, has been uh, very uh, unique, let's put it that way. Uh, a lot of trials, a lot of, of, of unknown and all kinds of things. But right there, smack dab in the middle of it, God met with us in Amen. such a wonderful way. Amen. And our church is not the same because of that. And it, we are transformed in, 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 in a totally new way. And it's not like, like spooky or it's just, it's Jesus, you know, tasting how the Lord is good and faithful. And so... Um, I want to share about uh, this this morning with, with this precious text, God, our source of life. And I hope it would be a blessing to all of you here. Uh, and it, it's pretty simple. Just uh, a couple of thoughts here in, in verse 19. When Jesus uh, is talking about here uh, his relationship to the Father, he said, Very, very last unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. This is not like, sometimes we can read that in, oh, it's a, hyperbolic, you know, he's just, you know, trying to be humble. No, no, this is reality. And there's a biblical word that I, I'm going to be a little theological just for a little moment, but what Jesus is referring to here is explained more in details in Philippians 2, and it's talking about the kenosis. It's a Greek word that means that Jesus, it, the Bible says, emptied himself. It, it doesn't mean that he stopped being God. He laid aside some divine attributes. So he, he stayed fully God. Okay? Jesus, fully God, fully man. 100% man, 100% God. But with the incarnation, when he became a man, when he came and dwelt among us full of grace and of truth, he, uh, for that, that, that time, he, he, he put aside those divine attributes and put himself in total 100% dependence to the Father. So what he was saying there was totally actual. He could do nothing of himself. 
It was totally dependent on God to live. Okay? So we start there this morning. Okay? And then uh, in verse 20, uh, we, we see that the Father loves the Son, and He shows all things uh, to, him, to, to Himself, and He works uh, through the Son. So the, the, the Father is working through the Son, and it's a work of life because it says in verse 21, For as, as the Father raised up the dead and quickeneth and gives them life, even so the Son quickeneth whom He will. So God is the giver of life, and He gives through the Son by the Spirit of God. And that is really the whole idea with God, our source of life. And now that was the theological part, and that's important to understand. Now I just want to bring this to uh, a very practical and simple application. And we'll, we'll build on that for the rest of the message. But if God is our source of life, like we see here, like with Jesus, and of course we follow the same pattern, um, if God is our source of life and uh, if Christ is our life, uh, that raises the question, if you're here and you're a child of God, you have a choice. Are you going to live or draw upon this source or live on your own resources? That's the, the premise of my message. So God, my source of life, or self, the flesh as my source of life. One leads to life and produces life, the fruit of the Spirit. The other produces death. They say, death is not necessarily like ugly and all that, but death in relationship, it doesn't produce fruit. You can try very hard, but in the end, it doesn't amount to anything because it's you, it's flesh. It can be good-looking flesh. It can be uh, well-intentioned flesh, but it's still flesh. You can dress it up. You can, you know, uh, do all kinds of things, but flesh is still flesh. No, ma no matter how good you want it to look. Uh, because the Bible is clear. It says, for the carnally minded is death, but the spiritual minded is life and peace. And also in Galatians uh, 5, it says, but if ye uh, bite and devour one another, take heed that you will not be consumed of one another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And walking in the spirit, you know, sometimes we as preachers are good. Of, okay, we need to walk in the Spirit. Yes, but what does it mean? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. And it's, 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 it's pretty simple. Walking in the Spirit, okay, if there's one word I want you to, uh, actually maybe two, life, okay, I talked about this. But the other one I want you to remember this morning is dependence. Walking in the Spirit is walking in dependence to God. Here, Jesus was totally dependent on the Father for everything. He said, I can do nothing. And didn't Jesus told us also, without me, you can do nothing? And again, it is true. We can do nothing for God of eternal value, of, of, of life, eternal value, if it starts with us, if we are the source, if it's not independence to God. And so, God as our source of life, it, it simply means that we depend on God for everything we're doing, saying, for all our life. And so, um, now we can, I'm going to give you a little more explanation to help you uh, grasp exactly 
what we're talking about here. Okay, because I can say that walking the spirit is walking independence of God. Well, what does it mean exactly in real life? Uh, I'm going to go with the negative. What does it mean to walk independently of God in my life? You know, there are multiple, diverse ways we do that. Flesh techniques. Or you know a good word that we might understand? Coping mechanism. How do I cope with life? I have a problem. I have a situation. The way I respond is either independence to God or my flesh pattern. We can go around here and, okay, you have this type of flesh pattern. You know, in a couple, we see it clearly and in a family. Oh, you know, the, the husband have these flesh patterns and then the wife and then the kids, they come along and they, they, little Johnny has these flesh. You see, we, we're not all the same, but we all have a, a flesh. It manifests in different ways. And walking by the flesh is simply relying on these flesh patterns. The way we're always, we're, we've always done things, okay? Walking in the spirit is the conscious, conscious, conscientious, le, le choix conscient, okay, I'm going to say it in French, uh, the choice that we make, okay, instead of just going with the uh, automatic, it's stop, say, wait on God, God, what do you want? What are you doing here? I don't want to respond with, my way. I'm waiting on you, and I am uh, relying on you. This is a choice of faith. This is something that has to be done with our conscience before God. Before that, we have to stop and wait to see the salvation of the Lord, to see that, you know, stop and see that the Lord, He is God. If we don't do that, I'm, I, you know, it's the easy way, you just don't do anything, you, you're going to rely on the flesh pattern. It's just going to happen, okay? So that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, the flesh patterns or, you know, self. You have that self here? Oh, man, self. It's everywhere. Self. Um, self has a way of thinking, has a will, has, uh, you know, some emotions, some things that you're really passionate about. You know, the Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved, you're indwelled by the Spirit of God. He has a will, a mind, and emotions. There's far more. It's always life-giving, and it's, it's satisfying, and it's good, and you feel, you feel good about it. God is not against feelings. He's giving us wonderful feelings when we trust in Him. He doesn't want to trust in our feelings and the way we, oh, man, I feel so bad with this. I'm upset. So then comes the flesh response. But... If we trust in God, we stop and, and, and trust Him, and that's why it's so important to be in the Word and living by the Word because the Spirit is leading us in all the truth. And then, wow, we're overwhelmed. I say, wow, God, this is wonderful. I'm telling you just by way of illustration, this is the major takeaway I, I take from 2022. Um, we've gone through all kinds of things, um, and the big takeaway is, okay, those situations that were so complicated and so hard, the person I was the most afraid of was me. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to, you know, with my logic and, and my reasoning to go, oh, this is the thing that should be done. I, I, I was preaching to myself, no, don't do that. I, I was conscience, con, consciemment. Man, this is hard to say. <laughs> but you know what I mean, okay? Consciously. Yeah, maybe I'm just trying too much, you see? 
um, I, just consciously, I, I, I was telling myself, no, don't do that. So I, and I was just asking God, God, what are you doing here? How do you want me to be involved with this? And, and okay, for example, you have a situation, and usually there's something, and, you know, I have something I want to say, I want to do. You know, this is the time where you have to, to say, whoa, you know, because it's me, it's me. And, you know, it can be full of good intention. I see someone suffering. Oh, I need to say something. Maybe not. Did you ask the Lord? Because sometimes with your words, you can just make matter worse. Sometimes you can just give a hug and cry with that person. Or just pray or, you know, just ask the Lord. The question is not, you know, oh, it's not wrong to say something. No, it's not. But maybe that's not what God had for you. And maybe he didn't want you to be involved in this situation. Maybe he had someone else in mind. And that's perfect because he is Lord. He's the one who calls the shot. And you see, that's the whole point. God will not bless what he's not initiating. So waiting on Lord, say, Lord, I don't want to be the initiator. You know, God made us to be responders to him. Not initiators, but responders. And the whole walking the spirit thing is simply to make it a habit, make it a, a, a choice in our lives to depend on him for every step of the way, every decision to rely on him. Now, I just want to go with two um, points with this this morning. Without all things as God as our source of life, of course there's deceit. So let's talk about the deceit concerning God as our source of life. We've, we've read here that Jesus, the very Son of God, God made flesh, that He was in total dependence to the Father. He couldn't do nothing without Him. And somehow we think that, you know, with good intentions and, you know, uh, enough willpower and trying, trying a little harder, that we can make it. This is a lie. This is deceit. The trying hard mindset is a deceit of the flesh. It's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of trusting. Trusting Him. Uh, how did you get saved? If you're here if you're, and if you're saved, you didn't get saved because you tried so hard. You got saved because you trusted Jesus. You trusted the finished work. Same way. And it, it says in Colossians chapter 2 that the same way we were saved, we walked in the same way. We were saved by grace, through faith. How do we walk? By grace, God in us. And through faith, the just shall live by faith. The life, the very life that we, we, want, we long for, it's the life of faith. The life that decides not to trust in self, even though it sounds so good and it's so logical, but to trust in God and His Word and the living Spirit who leads us in all the truth. Now, I'm going to say something that might shock you. You know, the Christian life is not trying to do things to please God. Oh, good. I'm glad there's one that's agreeing with me. No, it's not trying to give and re-give yourself to God to give. I'm going to say it again, to give yourself to God. But here's myself. No, the Christian life is depending on Christ in you. He is in you. He is the Christian life. The Christian life is not something to do. It's someone yes. we follow who, and who, who lives in us and who wants to express himself, himself through us. Now, uh, 
just with, with that, that deceit to just help you understand a little more. Um, you know, there's only one way to live the Christian life. It's very narrow. It's by grace through faith. And when we put self as the measurement, and you know, again, when I say self, don't think of the, the bad self. No, the, the deceitful self is the good self. It's the self that is full of good intentions. And, you know, it's really, you know, but you have that word egocentric, selfishness. But if we say egocentric, we can oppose that to Christocentric or selfishness versus uh, self-centeredness versus Christ-centeredness. There's only one way to live the Christian life, and it's not self-centeredness. It's Christ-centeredness. God doesn't want me to give my best to him. He wants him. He wants to give himself to me and live his life through me. We need to get that because, I mean, it doesn't sound wrong. I want to give my best to God. Yeah, it doesn't sound wrong, but that's the deceit because it starts with self. I want to give myself. It has to start with God. I believe that overall and, you know, on a right range with Christianity, this is the most uh, powerful deceit that we live. And I believe that God, in His goodness, allowed for the things that we've been through the last three years to shake us up and to bring us back to Him. And so that we will let Him. Because, you know, we have a lot of Christianity that's full of good intentions, but it's all self trying to improve. And God doesn't need self. I mean, that's something else. That's Romans 6. You know, God took care of, of, of the old man. We are crucified with Christ, and now... It's not us who lives, it's Christ who lives in us. And so we are freed even from our very um, tendencies and, and now we can live unto God. We are dead to sin and alive unto God. That's the declaration of emancipation of the Christian life. Romans 6, look into it. You know, uh, uh, verse 6, 7, I mean the whole chapter, it's so wonderful. So just let Jesus give himself to you. It changed the whole perspective on life. One is the burden on your shoulder. The other one is freedom. Right. Wow, God, you want to give yourself to me? Yes, you sure. I mean, it is. And we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, we can feed our, our, our ego, ourself, you know, uh, when we, we want to do things for God. But if we humble ourselves and realize, no, it is true I cannot do nothing, even all with my good intentions. And if I humble myself and let God um, live his life through me, this life of faith, this is, this is where, you know, it really gets exciting. Uh, it's not going to be easy. We're not, because, you know, we don't have it all figured out. And we need to trust, and sometimes it's scary. But how many verses in the Bible? You just look at, for example, the book of Isaiah, you know, how many comforting verses I will not leave you nor forsake you. And, you know, even though you go through the waters and uh, all kinds of verses. Why? Because the, the faith life always has been a, a life where I'm scared, Lord. But Lord said, yeah, but I'm here. Don't worry. I have it all under control. This is the life of faith. Another point with this, with that, that deceit uh, that we need to understand 
the deceit concerning uh, God as our source of life. And I, I'm just going to put it bluntly, but usually we, we're more subtle than that. Guilt is a motivation for, to, to serve the Lord. You know, honestly, sometimes with Christianity, you know, and as preachers sometimes, hey, there's a lot of people dying and going to hell, and we, we need to do something for them. And it's true that God cares for the lost. And, but, again, where does it start? I. I need, because don't worry, Christ in you, he really cares for the lost. Yeah, he died for them. He gave himself so that he would, you know, be reconciled to God. But the motivation of the Christian life is not guilt. The motivation of the Christian life is love. We are loved. Now listen, this is the whole mindset. It's, it's, it's two worlds. One is the old covenant. The other is the new covenant. You know we are in the new covenant? Okay, just to make sure this morning. The old covenant was do this and you shall live. And it was always, we were always falling short. That was the whole point. That was to bring us to Christ who did everything for us. Now, this means that the difference between the two, one is a performance-based acceptance. The other one is a grace-based acceptance. So the, our relationship with God is based on the fact that we are in the beloved. We are accepted. If you are in Christ, God cannot love you more than he, he, he loves you already. And now the motivation for life, and listen to this one real good because it's very important. You know, we say that perfect love casts out fear. I'm glad I heard a guy who just shared something about that. I said, wow, he's getting it. Because I preached on that and I shared with him, hey, it's something that, anyway. That perfect love, is it in me? It's not in me. I mean, my, my love goes like this. But that perfect love that casts our fear is his love. And we need to be secure in this perfect love of God for us. Now, listen very carefully because... Sometimes when, we, you know, with the ups and downs in life, we realize, man, I don't love God as I should, and we feel terrible about ourselves, and where can we fall? We can fall right in the arms of God, the loving arms of God, and we can rest assured that all of this, now listen, is not because God is just coping with us, and, you know, he's, he's not really happy with us, and now he's sending us. No, it is precisely because he loves us that he's sending Yes, that trial, yes, that very excruciating thing that we're going through. It's not a proof that he rejects us. It is a proof that he loves us and he's taking care of us. And this is part of his care and of his love. When we are secure in this perfect love of God, all these fears, what's going to happen? They're gone because we see they happen because God loves me. They are not the proof that he is rejecting me. It's the very opposite. They are the proof that he's taking care of me. This is not human reasoning. This is not human logic. We don't think like this normally. But God's word and God's spirit is always leading us to that understanding of things. And then one last thing with that deceit uh, about Christ as our source, God as our source of life. And it goes a little bit with what I just talked about, but... Uh, is the idea we can acquire God's acceptance. Uh, we cannot acquire God's, or, or, or I would say by our performance. And again, we're talking about deceit here. If it, wouldn't, it would be so obvious, nobody would fall into it. But we have all that. I did this, therefore God is happy. I didn't do that, therefore God is not. And I would say 
this is old covenant mindset. And I'm and some maybe we're afraid to preach about it because oh if I if I don't say that people are just gonna do anything. You go, you know, go off the deep end or you know, uh just live, you know, like uh like the world and but it's not the case because again when you see that you are already loved, accepted in the beloved, you're so thankful you live in light of it. You're, I mean, you have a whole new motivation. So you're not trying to acquire God's acceptance. You're so happy you have it all yes. that you live because of it. Yes, it again, it's a whole mind. This is called, biblically speaking, the renewing of the mind. To let God transform our mind with these things. Now it just brings me to, and, and I still have time, um, to another point. Uh, that I want to share about God, our source of life, not only the deceit, and we talked about that, and there's so much more I could talk about, but also there's not only deceit, but there's bad fruits that are coming with rejecting God as our source of life. And again, it, it can sound like strong words, rejecting God as our source of life, but you know, when I live by self, that's what I'm doing. And the deceit is, yeah, but it looks good. Yes, but I have good intentions. Yeah, but it's all Christian. It's still self. It's still, the beginning of it is not God itself, okay? So, bad fruits of rejecting God as our source of life. This is the second part of the, the text that we read. In verse, uh, I mean, these verses are very powerful. Uh, verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they, and, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. This is so important to understand here what's going on. He was talking to the religious people of his days, people who are uh, seen, you know, looked upon as spiritual heroes. Wow, they have it all together. They were like the old covenant superheroes because, wow, you know, we're abiding by the whole law. Or so they thought. And, you know, we look. We look down on them because we know better, but we have to understand in, in the days it was because they knew this. They were searching the Scriptures. And now Jesus is, is saying, you search the Scriptures because you think that you have in them eternal life. Now, it's true. You know, the Scriptures, this is how we can know uh, the God who reveals Himself and who is eternal life and who gives eternal life. But here was the problem with them. Okay, because Jesus, they testify of me. The whole scriptures, they, they testify of Christ. But you will not come to me. You see, the goal of the scripture is to bring to Christ. You will not come to me. You know, salvation and the Christian life is not a list of things to do. It's, the, it's a person to have a relationship with, to discover, and to know. And by the way, when you share the gospel, I, I hope you just don't go through a list of, you know, you're a sinner, you're condemned. Jesus is the Savior. and It's not just like cold truth that you're presenting someone, yes. inviting them to the Savior, Amen. to the one who is the only uh, that, that matters in life. And you know, if you don't have Jesus, you, 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 your, life, your life has no meaning, has no point. That, that's how I was uh, brought to the Lord. I, I, I didn't hear the gospel at all, raising up and everything. But then God put a, a, a Christian man on my on my path, and for a year and a half, we were friends, and we're exchanging, and 
you know, I, I realized that my life had no purpose. And I was right because life without Jesus, without an eternal purpose, has no meaning. What's the point of just, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you go back to bed and start over again. I mean, God, God gave much more meaning to life than just yes. work or occupation. Now, let's bring that to uh, our level as, um, as Christians. Now, again, I, like I said, I, I don't want to bring too much to you. Maybe you can re-listen to the message, but I just want to bring a point here that is so important. You know, they were missing the point here because they were not asking the right question about life. So they were searching the Scriptures because oh, we have eternal life in them, but why were they missing the point? Because they were making life a question of right and wrong. Okay? The Bible tells me what is right and what is wrong. They were missing the point because that's the second tree. That's the tree that brings death, the tree of good and evil. If your paradigm in life works with good and evil, you know what it does? It helps you to live on your own. It feeds the very independent life that we want to go away from. Because if you know all the right and wrong, you don't need God. You figure it all out. You don't come to Him to have life. The real question is life is not right and wrong. And you hear me, now people are afraid. I'm saying that the real question is not right and wrong. No, the real question is life and death. Yes. And when you find the one who is life, don't worry, He's going to lead you. With the right and the wrong. He's going to take care of that. It's not that God, you know. It's not, but it's a question of dependence. I cannot live by myself and figure out the right and wrong. It always ends in death. But if I go to the one who is life, he will always lead me in green pasture. He will lead me in his way. And he will protect me from the wrong and lead me in the good. He's going to take care of, him, but the, the, uh, take care of it. But the question, who do I depend on? So it brings that very important point this morning. The flesh life, as opposed to the spirit life, is a matter of dependence, who I, I depend on. But it stems from that very, that question, or that, 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 I call that like a, a paradigm. It, it's a whole way of seeing life. Do I see life in, in light of right and wrong, or life or death? Because if it's death, it's wrong. And you know the tree of knowledge and good and evil? We, call, we can call it the tree of death. Because that's exactly what happened with the story in Genesis 3. They ate of it, they died. And God said, you know, God warned them. And still today, if my life is based on, okay, I know this is right and this is wrong. I need to do that and not do that. It all sounds good because, I mean... Bad is bad and good is good, but the dependence is on me. I can live that life, Christian life, all on my own. I don't need God for that. That is the fundamental problem. Whereas if I want real life, and if I ask the question, okay, this all looks good, but in the end, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. That is the question. It's not, oh, does it look good, or is it right or wrong? No. Where does it lead you? Does it lead you to the fruit of the Spirit and life and reproducing that life in your life and the life of others? Or it's all good intention, but in the end, you know what? 
You're sour in your relationship with others because you're on their back and you're trying, and it's you, 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 self, 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 not Jesus. Amen. So, I think I've said the major things I want to say, but let me just add a little, a little something. It's extra. It's free. Um, if I live with that, you know, with that paradigm of right and wrong, I'm going to become self-centered, egocentric, and not Christ-centered, Christocentric. Did you know that before the fall, Adam and Eve, they were focused not on their behavior, but on their relationship with God. After the fall, the focus switched to behavior, right and wrong. This is self-centered. It's not Christ. It, they were depending on self and not on God anymore. Depending on self to determine right from wrong and not on God. Because don't worry, God is going to determine right and wrong. I mean, he is the holy God. We sang about it. He knows right from wrong. And he's going to lead us. The question is, do I want to depend on him? So, if we are not Christocentric, if we're not Christ-centered, we're going to spend... A lot of energy, a lot of time in self-criticism. Constructive self-criticism. But you know what? It's all focused on self again. It's me trying to improve me. And again, get the point. We, we see Adam and Eve with the, 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 the fruit and, oh, man, it's evil and we're going to get. No. Picture this. It was very appealing. Oh, we're going to be like God. We love God, and God is so good. We're going to be like Him. We're going to improve. This is the message of the world. You can improve. You can improve. You know, it's all you doing better to you. It's all the same tree. You go from one branch to another. That's what I like about the program with RU. It's saying that Christ is the one who gives freedom, who frees from Amen. sin. Amen. It's not Amen. self. Amen. So we really need to see this. And, you know, I'm so glad because this is the very ministry of the Holy Spirit, taking the eyes and focus off ourselves and our behavior and onto Christ. Because that's what Jesus himself said in, uh, in John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you uh, um, from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And again in uh, chapter 16, how about when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you in all the truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall, uh, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come, and he shall glorify me, Jesus, for he shall receive of mine, and he shall show it unto you. So you see, the ministry has a Christ-centered, Christocentric ministry. That's wonderful because we're not on our own. We don't need to figure out all on our own. God provided everything. We have such a wonderful, gracious God. And one last thing with that, the bad fruits, you know, uh, of um, rejecting God as our source um, is if we live with that, that paradigm of right and wrong, uh, we will value human values over divine virtues. You know that the world and the religions of the world, they have value system. And it's, you know, it's not all garbage. I mean, they want to improve. They want to do good to their neighbor and, you know. But it's all, 
independent of God, of his life, of him. It's an utter rejection of God. But it all is good. And if we're not careful as Christians, we can fall into action. I would say we already, the, the Christ, Christianity, the Christendom in general is falling like line, hook, and sinker in that trap. And it's all self-centered, behavior-centered, and it's devoid of supernatural life. The Christian life is not like world life 2.0, you know, uh, enhanced or with, uh, you know, some finishing touch. No, it's, it's a whole new life. It's, it's, it's holy. It's, it's apart. Holy, the meaning is, is set apart. It, it's not of this world. You cannot explain it in human terms, in, in human logic. It's of God. Christianity is not a superior morality. It's a completely other quality of life. It's the exchange life. It's the transformed life. It's Christ in us. No religion, no philosophy of this world can even compare with this. And I repeat, we were not created nor saved to live focusing on right and wrong, but on life or death. Is this real life? Or is it death disguising into life? That is the question. And when I ask the right question about life, I abide in Christ. You know, if I, if I live with the, the, the paradigm of right and wrong, I abide in self. I just find ways, coping mechanism, uh, uh, flesh patterns, just to cope with life, depending on self. When I look at life with matter of life and death, I have to, I have to depend on God. Like Christ Jesus himself, he was doing nothing of himself because all the time he was always walking the Spirit, living in dependence to the Father and giving life. And so, I just want to finish with, with this thought this morning. These are freeing truths. These are matters to celebrate, to rejoice about. We shouldn't go along, you know, with, with, in life with our, our face like this. I mean, this is the most wonderful news for Christians. This is the gospel to the saints. I mean, it's the being of the Christian life, and then it just keeps on going for better and better. It's wonderful. This is very good news. We don't walk like with the, the threat of an of a, of a angered God against us. No, we are loved and we are accepted. And... All the grace available in the universe is right there for us. Are we depending and trusting in this grace? This is the question. It's either grace and Christ or self. When you put it that way, it seems pretty simple, and it shows how foolish we can be and deceive. When we just, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. No. And, you know, just to make it very simple and to bring it home for everyone here, you say, how am I going to practice this? Very simple. You have the scriptures. You testify of Christ. Go to him. Go to him. You have a trial. You have something or just the daily grind. Just go to him. Wait on him. That's it. He's going to lead you. He's the living God. He's not like a theory or someone out there. He's very close to all those who seek him. So just rely on him. Wait on him. He's going to lead you. He's going to take care 
of everything and all your needs. This is so wonderful. And so, I'm going to lead the invitation to pastor, but I just want to ask you this question. Where do you go for life this morning? Or I should say, who do you go to? Do you go simply to the book of life? Or you go to the one who gave it to us? God is so wonderful. He just did, he, he, he gave, it's more than just giving us the book of life. He's the very person who's teaching us the words of life, leading us in all the truth. He's a personal God. We can go to him. That's why I like with the cry of um, uh, Paul in, in, uh, in uh, Romans 7. When he's talking about the struggle, I want to do this, and I'm not able, and I'm doing what I don't want to do, and, I, 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 and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, and uh, you, you, you know how it goes. But then the question he asks at the end is, who? Not what, not what method or new book that is coming out to help me in the Christian life. No, who? The question of the Christian life is a who, not a what or where. It's a who. Go to him this morning. You're a Christian. Go to Christ for life. He is your life. Let him live through you. If you don't know him, Jesus promised that if you go to him, he will in no wise. There's no way he's going to leave you or cast you out. Amen. He's going to receive you and give you forgiveness and life eternal. What a wonderful God. He is so wonderful. Lord, we thank you. You're so good. You're the only one who is good. And Lord, we heard your word this morning. The words of life. 